There is no substitute for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Each weekday on Enjoying the Journey, Scott Pauley leads us in a brief study of Scripture. Today, on the Weekend Pulpit, we are happy to share a full-length Bible message given through Scott's pulpit ministry. These messages were recorded live in a local church or gospel event in recent days. It is our prayer that the message will be a help to you today. When I started working, I served as a youth director for seven years, and then when I was shifted into college work, helped develop a, a program for youth ministry majors, and my pastor said to me when I first started, he said, Scott, tell me what you think a youth director is supposed to do, and I just very quickly and stupidly said, oh, work with young people, and he said, wrong. He said, your job is to work with families. And he said, your job is to develop other youth workers. He said, because there'll be a limit in how many teenagers you can personally deal with. He said, Jesus had 12 disciples. There's going to be a limit on how many people you can invest your life in. But he said, if you can strengthen families, you help those kids for the rest of their life. And if you can reproduce yourself in the lives of other youth workers, then you can multiply how many young people can be reached and can be taught. That really helped me. And so uh, I admire what you're doing, and uh, I love this group. I love this format. And uh, what I'm going to do, I'm going to share a thought with you this morning. I ask you to write a few things down, so if you've got something to write on, that would be helpful. Short pencil's better than a long memory, right? Especially at camp. And then when I finish, I'm going to save a little time at the end for you to ask some questions. And anything you want to talk about as it relates to youth ministry and all the hard questions, I'll defer to somebody else. But... If, uh, if there's something you want to discuss, either related to what I'm talking about or something else on your mind, this is my shot to spend a little time with the group this week, and I've been looking forward to it. And may I say this, too? When, when this meeting is done, I get to be here the rest of the week, and I'm thrilled about that. I, I would love to talk with you. Some of you I've already talked with individually. We've prayed together. But if there's something you'd like to talk about one-on-one, -on -one, uh, I'd be thrilled to do it. And uh, I want to help you any way I possibly can. I want you to open your Bible with me, if you will, first to the book of Ecclesiastes. I always like to start with the Word of God. I'd recommend that to you, too, uh, because, you know, everybody wants to know, what do you think? What do you think? Who cares what we think? What does God think? And so I want to bring you to a passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that the Lord is using in my life right now. I'm going to be very transparent with you today. I hope what I share with you will not only help you help young people, it will help you. Uh, how many of you are pastors? I'm just curious, pastors that are with us. That's great. God bless you. I worked for the same pastor for 20 years. I'm with pastors every week. My dad just celebrated his 30th anniversary at the same church. And I admire pastors, and I thank God for you. How many of you are uh, full-time youth directors? Would you raise your hand? Full-time youth workers. Very good. How many of you are volunteers? Would you raise your hand? 
And I want to pause and say thank God for the volunteers. Couldn't be done without you. And how many of you are parents? It's the hardest job in the world. It's the hardest job in the world. You know, when I first started working with young people, I was a kid, I was 21 probably, and uh, we had just gotten married. I had all the answers. I really did. I mean, I knew what all the parents should do. I knew how to fix every young person's problem. I mean, I knew. Then we started having children of our own. And somebody said, uh, what, what are some life-changing moments for you? Having children of my own. And then, not just having children, having three teenagers at the same time. That'll change your world. Uh, Tammy and I, God, God bless her, has been such a faithful wife, partner to me. We've been married 24 years. Got married on Friday the 13th. That was the luckiest day of my life. And we have three children that all look like their mother, praise Jesus. Uh, Morgan is now 21, almost 22, and just got engaged and getting married in January. Pray for me, please. Uh, Lauren is 19, and she'll finish her college work next year, um, a two-year program, and she's working at a Christian camp this summer in Michigan. And then our son, Grant, just turned 16 and got his driver's license. Really pray for me. Uh, this, is, this is an unusual time in our lives. Some of you have already lived through that season. You're on the other side of that. Some of you are approaching it. Some of you have little children, and you're still a long ways off from that. Uh, I'm learning some things right now. I really am. You know, we all like to think we're the teachers, don't we? But really, we're all students. Even the teachers are students. In fact, the day you stop being a student, you stop being a good teacher. And the real teacher is the Holy Spirit. And all of life is God's classroom. And I think the greatest classroom is home. Uh, and sometimes God even speaks through your children to teach you certain things. Tammy said to me the other day, she said, Scott, she said, we're going through more change right now all at one time than we've ever had in all of our married life combined. And I said, that's right. I mean, it, it, it is. There's just, everything's changing. Uh, life is changing. The seasons come and the seasons go. And so I bring you to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 just to share a few little meditations with you this morning. Verse 1, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Then it begins this great list, these contrasts. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. Anybody get in the picture? Verse 9, what profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. And don't you love verse 11? Let's read verse 11 together. Ready? He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also, he has set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Isn't it interesting to see this, this progression? He takes in the previous verses literally life from beginning to end, from birth to death and all the contrast and all the change in it. But where does it all lead to? Oh, I love this. It all leads you to God. If you live in the first uh, 10 verses and never get to verse 11, you are one empty human being. 
You've got to get to God, you see. And you've got to get your young people to God. Otherwise, life, it lacks meaning. Now, Ecclesiastes is probably, if I had to pick one book and say it has been one of my favorite books to teach to young people, Ecclesiastes is that book. It is literally a book about life. So if they're breathing, it's for them. It is about life under the sun apart from God. And uh, though there's lots of uh, pictures of what lie looks like in our world, deceit looks like in our world in this book, it is a book of truth. It reveals God to us. The first time I ever taught through the book of Ecclesiastes was on the campus of the University of Tennessee. And we had a college ministry there that we started uh, that was one of my favorite things to be a part of. College students are just overgrown teenagers, in case you didn't know. And they're searching. And uh, we, we had a Bible study on Monday nights, I think it was, and we decided we were going to teach through the book of Ecclesiastes. I was shocked how much of life is dealt with in the book of Ecclesiastes. You want, to deal with, you want to deal with alcohol? Somebody says, no, I don't want to talk about that. Well, you better because it's in the Bible. And your young people are dealing with it. You want to deal with alcohol? Ecclesiastes deals with that. You want to deal with relationships? Ecclesiastes deals with that. You want to deal with suicide? Ecclesiastes deals with that. Uh, my recommendation to you, how many of you have taught through Ecclesiastes? Just curious. Some of us. If you've never taught through the book of Ecclesiastes, this would be a great book to take and say, I'm going to teach this to our young people because it's going to help them get a certain perspective on life and kind of like this passage we just read, you, you can't stop in the opening chapters of Ecclesiastes. You've got to get to the last chapter and hear the conclusion of the whole matter to get it all in proper perspective. But here's what I want to talk to you about for a few moments. Would you write this down somewhere across the top of your paper? Uh, very, very purposeful I'm choosing my words today. I want you to write this down. Guiding your young people through the seasons of life. It's a maze. And by the way, if you're going to guide somebody else, that means you have to get through the seasons of life yourself. I'm looking across this room, and there are people at many different seasons of life in here. Uh, we probably have some newlyweds among us, some young couples starting out. We have some middle-aged folks. I'm happy to be in that group. Isn't it amazing how it's all relative? Isn't it all relative? And then we have some that would say, well, I'm a little older. I'm on the other end of the spectrum. But we're all living through seasons of life. And really, it is less about age and more about stage of spiritual growth, maturing in the Lord, what God is teaching you. And so you've got to maneuver the seasons of life yourself. But as a parent or as a youth worker, I think one of the most challenging things and one of the things God is teaching me and really deeply impressing on me right now is that my responsibility is to help guide my children and other people's children through the seasons of life. So let me give you two or three truths. Number one, would you write this down? First of all, write down that their lives and ours are divided into seasons. That's the most basic truth. Sometimes we talk about the cycles of life. I, I get what you mean by that term, but let's use a Bible word. The Bible word is not cycles. The Bible word is not even stages. The Bible word is seasons. And isn't that significant? Because in the world we live in, everybody understands seasons. We live in a part of, of the world where there are four very distinct seasons, and I like all of them. Uh, I really do. I like a little snow. I said a little, but I do like a little snow. I like it when it leaves, too. Uh, I love the summer. I love the fall of the year. Uh, how many of you would say fall is your favorite? Anybody? Yeah. How about spring? Summer? Winter? Yeah, that's what happens to us as we get older, you know? Yeah, but you may have your favorite, but watch this. Every season matters. And don't miss this. Every season on earth prepares the earth for the next season. 
in this season, God's putting something in the earth that we're all going to need in the next season. So on the rainy days, just remember, someday we're going to need what that rain produces. Watch, what's true in earth, what's true in the natural realm is true in the spiritual. Henry Drummond was a man that D.L. Moody said was the most Christ-like young man he'd ever met. And Drummond wrote, I think, the greatest thing ever written on 1 Corinthians 13 called the greatest thing in the world on the love of God. Henry Drummond was a, was a naturalist, and I mean that in a good sense. He was a man that believed that everything in the spiritual realm that God wants to teach us has its parallel in nature. And that's why Jesus used so much of nature to teach. Well, I think this is a classic example of that. God is using the seasons to remind us that life is divided up into seasons. For example, there's a phrase in the Bible that says, it is not for you to know the times or the what? Seasons. That phrase is found three or four times in Scripture in different places. Have you ever pondered the difference between times and seasons? There is a difference. Otherwise, why say times and seasons? Why not say it one way or the other? Here's the difference. Time is how we look at life. Seasons is how God looks at life. We mark time. We mark time by a birthday. We mark time by an anniversary. We mark time by vacation, praise God. We mark time by, we got through another summer camp. We mark time by what? But the reality is God doesn't view your life just by marking time. He's the eternal God. Time's nothing to him. He holds time in the palm of his hand. Instead, he views our life in seasons. Time is linear. Seasons are cyclical. Here's what's interesting. You might know where you are in time, but you don't know where you are in season. Like You may know how old you are, but you don't necessarily know all God's doing in this season of your life to get you ready for the next season of your life. In fact, mark three words in your Bible. Look at verse number one again. Every time I stop, say the next word. Ready? To everything there is a... And a... To every... Under the heaven. Mark the word season, the word time, and the word purpose. There's a divine order here, a chain reaction. Everything in this life has a season. Every season has a what? Time. And every time has a what? Purpose. I was thinking about this yesterday. I think even Solomon in this book is a good illustration of what he is teaching. Solomon wrote three books of the Bible. He wrote Song of Solomon when he was young and in love. How many of you remember being young and in love? How many of you are still young and in love? It's a good place for husbands to raise their hand, all right? <laughs> Some of you people. Song of Solomon when he was young and in love. Proverbs when he's at the pinnacle of his power and the height of his kingdom and wisdom. And Ecclesiastes as an old man looking back on life and saying, whew, I think I missed some things. Three what? Seasons. May I ask you, what's the best season of life? We've tried as parents to enjoy every season with our kids. Somebody gave me that advice years ago. And we've tried to take it to heart. I hear these people saying, I tell you these teenage years, that's the worst time. Well, if you go in with that attitude, it's going to be the worst time. We've tried to enjoy. Look, in every season of life, there are challenges and blessings. If you want to make the most of every season, accentuate the blessings and minimize the challenges. That is true wherever you are, whatever season you're in, whatever you're dealing with. That's just life. But I ask again, what's the best season? Now's a good answer because it's the only season you have. Let me give you a little different answer. May I tell you what the best season of your life is? The best season of your life is the season where you're nearest to God. 
And for the record, that could be any season of your life. I don't know what that does for you. That encourages me. Because I meet people sometimes who say, well, you know, preacher, I think my best season's behind me. Really? Well, let me ask you this. Are you saved? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're saved, you're going to see Jesus someday. seems to me the best day you're ever going to live is the day you see Jesus. So I think you've got something to look forward to. The path of the justice is shining like the shineth more and more to the perfect day. Look, I'm so sick. I don't really mean this. I'm sick of hearing believers and people in the Lord's work speak in unbelief and talk about the Lord's power like it's a past tense thing. I'm going to tell you the number one reason we've not had revival. You, you can talk about secret sin. You can talk about... Uh, all kinds of things. God will deal with every bit of that. But I'm going to tell you the number one reason God's people have not seen more happen, our own unbelief. I'm going to preach more about that tonight, God willing, but I'm going to tell you something. We've limited the Holy One of Israel. I mean, we're praying little prayers to a big God. Expectations are low. I, I tell people, they say, what's the most challenging thing when you go into a church for a revival meeting? You ready? Low expectations. You walk through the door, and they're just having a meeting to have a meeting. If that's all you're doing, cancel it. Like if we're just coming to camp because it's time to go to camp again and we have no expectation God's going to do something, then I'm going to tell you, faith is missing and God cannot bless when there's no faith in it. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. So it's my conviction that any season can be the great season of life. I give people these suggestions sometimes when we talk about seasons. I'll give them to you. Number one, make the most of every season. Try to make the most of every season. Number two, get out of every season all that God has for you. So it's not just, I'm going to enjoy the season. No, I want to learn from this. I want to take something away. I write in a journal daily, at least every couple of days. And I recommend that to you because you know what it does? It helps you gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. It helps you, it helps you remember the things God's teaching you at this time. And then I would say this, view every season in light of eternity. Matter of fact, look back down to verse number 11. You see that phrase, he has set the world in their heart? Did you know that the word used here for world is the same word for eternity? This is fascinating to me. It means God has put a little bit of eternity in everybody's heart. God gave everybody an eternal soul. There's something in every young person you work with that knows there must be something bigger than this. There's something in every young person you're dealing with even the ones that say they don't believe in God, that knows inherently in them that there must be something beyond all of this. It doesn't mean they all have eternal life, but they all got a little bit of eternality in them because they were made by the eternal God. He put the world in their hearts. You want to help young people with the seasons of life? Help them start viewing this season in light of the great season, which is eternity. So the first principle is this, their lives and ours go through seasons. Number two, our work is shepherding work. I really believe that. I believe our work is shepherding work. Now the role of a pastor, a pastor certainly is a shepherd. I was with a young pastor Sunday. By the way, all of the young pastors are not going crazy. Some of them are. Some of them have lost their ever-living minds. But not all of them. And I take great courage in that. I was with a young pastor Sunday. He's only pastored, ah, what, three or four years. And Sunday, Sunday, they had people saved, they baptized 11, and had three families join the church. I'm going to tell you, I walked out of the church service saying, thank you, Jesus. I'm serious. There's another generation 
of young pastors coming along. And I said to that pastor over lunch, I said, tell me what you love about the ministry. I always ask that question. I listen to what people say. And he said to me, you know, Brother Scott, he said, I just love working with people. He said, I love bringing them along and seeing them grow. I said, you know what that is? He said, what? I said, that's a shepherd's heart. And it is. I'm not a pastor. I'm, a, I'm an evangelist. That's the way God made me. I believe it's how God gifted me. But I thank God for shepherds, and I believe this. My pastor used to say, you're either pastoring a church or you're helping someone pastor a church. There's only two things you do in a local church. You either pastor or you help a pastor. So let, let me ask it again. How many of you pastor? How many of you help a pastor? All right, you, you had to do one or the other, all right? If you're not helping, get out of the way, you know? Because pastors need help, and all God's pastors just said amen to that. But watch, our work is shepherding work. And I was thinking about this this week. What was one of the great differences between David and Solomon in the way they, in the way they ordered their kingdom? Solomon was an amazing king. I mean, honestly, the Queen of Sheba comes and says, not the half has been told. I mean, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. What a king. Do you know what Solomon was missing that his daddy had? He didn't have the shepherd's heart. When you lose the shepherd's heart, something is lost. In fact, I would say Solomon's greatest problem was he didn't know how to shepherd his own heart. If you don't know how to guide your own heart through the seasons of life, you'll never guide young people through the seasons of life. Somebody said to me last night, one of the youth workers, we talked and prayed together after the meeting, and he said, I just struggle with myself. And I said, join the club. I mean, any of you battling you right now? Lester Roloff said the first thing he had to do every morning when he got out of bed was jump in the grave. I like that. You know what he meant by that? Die. You got to die every day. I mean, look, I battle me. I, you know, I used, to bring, I used to bring youth groups to places like this and look at speakers and think, you know, that, that fellow, he may, must just jump out of bed every morning, just can't wait to read the Bible and pray and witness. I'm standing on the other side of it now. Let me just tell you something. Nothing could be further from the truth. We all deal with flesh. And by the way, religious flesh is still flesh. And flesh never gets better. So you've got to work at shepherding your own heart, and then you've got to work at shepherding them. Look at our passage again here just a second. Yes, there are seasons. Yes, there are times. Yes, there's a divine purpose. And now look, you've got to shepherd them through verse 2. You've got to shepherd them through verse 3. You've got to shepherd them through verse 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and 9 and 10. Why? Because you're trying to guide them to God in verse number 11. Would you like to know what your job description is? Write this down. In one sentence, I'm going to give you your job description. Guide people to God. Your job is not to draw them to you. It's point them to Him. And I think so often we all made this terrible, tragic mistake of thinking, if I can just get them on my program, if I can just get them on board with me, no, that may work for a little while. I've got to get them to God. I have got to help them know God. That's why I love the theme this week and the emphasis. We're really doing two things. We're leading and we're feeding. Write that down. That's what shepherds do. They lead and feed, lead and feed, lead and feed. So you're leading them towards the Lord and you're feeding them God's Word. Now watch this, God is interested in that being done at every stage. So here's the third principle. Number one, their lives go through seasons. Number two, our work is shepherding work. Number three, we must learn how to shepherd them through every season. 
If I may be very blunt with you, some seasons are easier to shepherd than others. How many of you got a young, how many of you know that young people are in different seasons at the same time? Like you got a group, but they're not all a group. All right, how many of you got a young person right now going through a tough season? I'm not going to embarrass you by asking how many of you are going through a tough season, but in this room, I guarantee there's some people going through a tough season. Here's what I've learned about our good shepherd. He works in every season. Matter of fact, let me prove it to you. Hold your place here. We're coming right back. Hold your place. Go over to the New Testament, to the gospel according to John for just a minute. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I'll compare scripture with scripture here. Look at John 21. Jesus is about to leave his disciples. He's addressing Peter, who's going to take the leadership role. Basically, Peter became the shepherd when the good shepherd left. So you've got a shepherd in training here is what you got. And look at what Jesus says to him. You know the passage, but look at it. John 21, verse 15. So when they had died, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Every time I read that, I get under such conviction. I really do. Dear Lord, forgive me for not loving you like I ought to love you. Dear Lord, help me more than these. Lovest thou more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, What's the next three words, please? Mm. Now look at it carefully. Feed my what? Lambs, not sheep. Feed my lambs. Come down to verse number 16. What's the last three words? Feed my what? Mm. Look at verse 17, last three words. What's it say? Where did he start? Feed my what? Did you ever notice there's a difference between lambs and sheep? He uses different words here. Did you ever notice he's telling the shepherd, you're going to have to guide this flock and feed this flock, and you're going to have to do it through every season. When they're little lambs, when they're old stubborn sheep, but all the way through the seasons of life, you're going to have to shepherd them. Let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you about my good shepherd. He loves me at every season. Look, I have good days. I really do. And I have some bad days. I was preaching one night in a tent meeting years ago. I remember the night. I could tell you the place. I'm ashamed to tell you this. I was backslidden. Don't look at me so pious. You've been backslidden. <laughs> I really, I, I wasn't right with the Lord. My heart wasn't where it needed to be. I had some things that just weren't right. But I preached the Bible, God honored his word. That's the mercy of the Lord. At the end of the meeting, I give the invitation. The Lord just settled into the place. He couldn't explain it. I mean, it was like I was a spectator. I'm just standing watching people getting saved and right with the Lord. And, and I, honestly, I didn't tell anybody. But I was in awe thinking, Lord, I'm not even where I need to be. And look at this. Meeting finished. I got my car, I could, take, I could take you to the place on the road where I was on my way to the hotel. I'm by myself in the car, and I said out loud to the Lord this, Lord, I don't know how you bless tonight. And just like that, the Holy Spirit said to me, how do you think I bless any night? It's always grace. On the night I feel spiritual. On the night I, I think I'm where I need to be. It's still grace. And God reminded me of something. God doesn't love you at your good seasons. God loves you at every season. You know what your kids need? They need to recognize God loves them at whatever season they are in at this moment. And God not only loves at every season, 
God patiently works at every season. Anybody out here glad God's patient with you? You ever think about what Jesus puts up with from us? Let me give you a good word for the day. Would you like a good Bible word for the day? Just chew on this word today. Long-suffering. That's an amazing word. He puts up with us. Maybe that would help us be more patient with our flock. We had a boy one night, summer camp I was directing years ago. He was the devil. He was. He was the devil. Came from Boston, grew up on the streets. His group had brought him and, and kind of unloaded him on us. Thank you very much. Oh, he was mean as the devil. He cussed out every staff member. He stirred up trouble. I finally had enough of it. I was just sick of it. And I said to one of the workers, go buy him a bus ticket. And I meant it. And I said, go buy him a bus ticket. He's going home. And just like that, I remember the Lord convicted me. Have you prayed for that boy yet? I hadn't prayed for him. Not one time and I prayed for him by name. I'd fussed, but I hadn't prayed. A lot easier to fuss than pray. Anybody else notice that? So almost out of a sense of duty, I said to the workers, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a day. We're going to take one day. It's early in the week. We're going to take one day, and we're going to see what the Lord will do in that boy's life. Let's just pray for him. Let's agree together in prayer. You know what happened that night? He got saved. He not only got saved, God turned his life upside down. He ended up coming to Crown College as a student. You know what happened? God taught me something. The Lord works patiently with us. The Lord leads and feeds at every season, and so must we. Which means that all through the seasons of life that your young people are going through now, We've got to have the ministry God wants us to have. Now, let me be personal for just a moment and share just a little testimony. With our kids growing up, I've discerned that, spiritually speaking, my kids need different things from me at different seasons. Now, I don't know if that makes sense to you or not. There's some things they need all the time. They do need consistency. But my kids do need different things from me at different seasons. Five and a half years ago, we uprooted our family. Uh, stepped into evangelistic work, had been at the same place for more than two decades. It was all my kids knew. And you know, when God uproots you, He uproots your kids. That was a real struggle for me, by the way. I remember, I remember arguing with the Holy Spirit. I really do. I remember saying to the Lord one day, what about my kids? And I remember the Lord said to me, if it's the will of God for you, it's the will of God for them. That helped me. But we left our home, we left our friends, we moved. We started over in a new place and this work God had given us to do. I knew I was following the Lord, but my oldest daughter, Morgan, and by the way, I have her permission to share this, and I wouldn't share it apart from that. She's 21, almost 22 now, getting ready to get married to a young preacher. Unless Jesus comes first, I hope Jesus comes first. <laughs> I've started praying, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus, much more lately. Oh, yes, pray for me. Uh, but... She was going into her junior year of high school. And you know, when, when, when things get uprooted, it causes people to question other things. It set in motion like a chain reaction with her where she started questioning everything. She was never outwardly rebellious. It never, you know, ran away from home or something like that. But she was very analytical, and she started overthinking everything. Her whole world had been shaken, you see. So she starts questioning everything. And she finally, it got so bad, she, she was wondering, is there really a God? Is the Bible true? 
How do we know we're right? Now, I'm speaking as a dad now, okay? Here I am, I'm traveling all over the country, preaching, trying to point other young people to the Lord, and my own daughter, her faith's been shaken. And I said everything I knew to say. I lectured and lectured and lectured. They were good lectures, too. You know, I've discovered that intercession gets more done than lectures. I started praying, dear God, help me. Dear God, help her. I can't fix this. I can't change the way she thinks. I can't, I can't. Help me. By the way, it's good when fathers realize the Heavenly Father has to do some things. And God brings you to the end of yourself. I remember the day we were walking across our farm in West Virginia, farm I grew up on, my grandfather's farm. Just she and I taking a walk. I remember that day like it was yesterday. And I said to her, how old are you? And I knew, of course, but I was going somewhere. I said, how old are you? 16. I said, how old am I? She told me. I said, uh, 30 years. Let's add 30 years to it. I said, how old are you? She told me. I said, how old am I? She said, old, really old. <laughs> and I said to her, Morgan, I said, I know you're dealing with some things right now, things Dad can't fix, and questions I can't even fully answer for you. But I want you to know something. I love you. And you're my daughter and I'm your dad, but I want us to be more than just dad and daughter. I want us to be friends the rest of our lives till one of us goes to heaven. And 30 years from now, if we're both still alive, I'd love for us to be able to walk across this farm and talk about anything you want to talk about. She started crying. She'd been so hard. I remember that moment. It just like, boom. We sat down in a certain place, and she started opening to me, talking with me. Now, I didn't change everything in a moment, but it was the beginning of a turning point. And by the way, I hadn't planned even that. It was just like the Holy Spirit superintended that, had that divine appointment for us. I remember I was standing in a, in a hotel room one day, and my phone uh, rang. Morgan called, started talking about some things. And then I looked at something that she had posted on social media, and it was a testimony of how God had worked in her life and how the Lord had brought her full circle back to a greater confidence in God. And I sat down on the edge of the bed and cried like a baby because I realized God had worked in that season. He had to bring her through that. And by the way, he had to bring me through that. Some of you are going through a season right now. God was doing something in the midst of that season. Don't miss your season. Now we're in a different season. My pastor said to me when we just had little kids, he said, Scott, remember these words. He said, the easiest thing on earth to do is hold on to your kids, and the hardest thing to do is let go of them. Boy, was that prophetic. And I said to Tim the other day, I said, I'm having to learn how to let go, how to let them make certain decisions on their own. They're charting a course now. I can't set all that for them. I can't control their life, the rest of their life. You know, when they're little, you can just tell them anything. And then they grow up. And you know what I'm learning? I'm learning that the greatest thing I can do for them is guide them to God because watch this. If you guide them to God, God will guide them for the rest of their lives. And there's seasons. Let, let me give you three. Can I just give you three? Write these three down. First, there's a foundation season. That's, that's childhood. I think the foundation is laid or should be laid before they ever get to the youth group. Could I recommend something to all the youth workers in this room? Be really interested in the children's ministry of your church. I'm serious about it. You say you want to have a great youth ministry? Then stop just thinking about the teenagers and start thinking, how can we reach children earlier? 
How can we get more Bible in them? How can we lay a foundation? Because you're going to build on that. I mean, aren't we seeing kids coming into the youth group knowing less and less about God? Less and less Bible, biblically illiterate generation? So, foundation, let's work with children. Then there's the preparation season. That's the second one. What is that? That's their adolescence. That's their youthful years. That's the years you have right now. And every year counts. Every year is important. Every year they need certain things. Matter of fact, let me just give you a practical recommendation. When I was a youth director, my pastor said to me, he said, I want you to divide the youth group up by grades in, in its structure. We actually had a married couple, not staff, volunteers. That's why I said what I did about volunteers earlier. A married couple that was responsible for every grade. Now, that really helped us. It was a large context. There was a lot of kids to keep up with. I learned some things. He said to me one day, he said, I want you to have John and Pat Prophet help you in the youth group. And I looked at him like, what? John and Pat Prophet were senior citizens in our church. In my mind, I'm thinking youth ministry. We need people with some energy out here, you know. We need the all-nighters. That's what we need. I learned something. John and Pat Prophet became two of the greatest youth workers we ever had. You know what young people need? They don't just need another pal. They need wisdom, maturity. You may be missing some of the greatest youth workers in your church. They're sitting in your pews every week. Then he said to me, the second step in that, he said, I want us to identify what kids ought to learn in our youth ministry at every grade. And we literally sat down and made a list of doctrinal things and practical things that we wanted to teach intentionally in the 7th grade, in the 8th, in the ninth, in the 10th. So the idea was if kids came all the way through our youth group, we knew these things they had had put in their hearts and minds. No one gets prepared for life by accident. It'll have to be on purpose. And so I'd, I would challenge you, reevaluate what you're doing and how you're doing it and what you're teaching to very purposefully and specifically deal with things that will help your young people for the next season. And the third season, would you write this down, is the transition season. And what's that? That's when they're going out from you. You know, I thought when I was 18, that was the big transition. Now I've lived long enough to realize life is full of transitions. I mean, honestly, didn't we all think that by 21 we'd have made all the big decisions and we'd have that behind us? And now here we are at this juncture in life, still at crossroads and junctures. Well, that's part of the journey. But the first transition is really important. So many kids get lost coming out of ministries like where they are right now. They just get lost in the shuffle. And I would say to you at that juncture, we must shepherd them as well into the next season of their life. You know what we need? I'm going to tell you what we need. Let me, let me just bottom line it. We need the same thing they need. We need wisdom. James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, anybody lack wisdom? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Oh, thank you, Lord. And abradeth not. Thank you, Lord. And it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You know what I need? I need the good shepherd to give me a good dose of his wisdom today. Wisdom to shepherd my own heart. Wisdom to shepherd my own home. And then by God's grace, wisdom to shepherd the flock that the Lord's assigned to me. And by the way, you do too. Let's pray God will give it to us. Father, thank you for being such a good, loving, patient shepherd to us. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you. All the times you brought this wandering sheep back. Thank you, Lord. Now give us your heart, Jesus. 
to shepherd those we love and those you love. And give us divine wisdom you promised you'd give for the season we're in and the seasons ahead. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Pauley's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit. And don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.